Okay, let's open up to the book of Exodus in chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, we are continuing to study together the Ten Commandments. Uh, in these commandments, we find a summary of what true love looks like. Uh, we are here this morning because we want to love God well, and we want to love others God has been so good to us. He has caused us to love Him. But now what does that love look like? How do we express it? What does devotion to God look like? And what does a life of love towards others look like? Our culture is caught up in very mixed up, contradictory, confusing messages about love. Uh, when we look through the lens of the Bible, we see that many in our culture genuinely believe that they are being loving, when in fact they are being unloving. Uh, definitions matter. Descriptions of what real love looks like matter. There is such a thing as having zeal without knowledge. You want to be loving, but if you haven't learned from the Bible what love looks like, you may find yourself being unloving in the name of love. Oh, what, what a tragedy. To spend your life thinking that you're loving people only to come to the last day and to find that your life has had the opposite effect. And that what you did in the name of love actually did irreparable harm to others. And so we need clarity on what love is. And God in His kindness has given it to us. Because in the Ten Commandments, we find clear principles about the way of love. The God who is love shows us the way of love in these commandments. Now these commandments came to Israel in the context of a mission. Israel is to follow Moses into the promised land. Moreover, Israel is to glorify God before a watching world living as His people, showing by their very lives that He is the true God, that He is a good God, that He's not like the false God of the other nations. In the same way, Mount Hermon, these commandments are given to us in the context of our mission. If you're here this morning as a Christian, you are walking your wilderness journey. You are on your way to the promised land. And these principles are to help you on your journey. They're to be pillars of how you are to live in this life of witness. Dear Christian, you have been called to live in a way that shows God to the world. God has not called you to join a monastery and God has not called you to join a nunnery. He's not called you to be His by isolating yourself from the world. Rather, He's called you to be in the world 
but to be different from the world by living differently than the people around you. So if you're a businessman, you show up at work just like the rest of your co-workers. But these principles of love, the Ten Commandments, are to shape the way you work. You're doing the same job as others around you, but as a Christian, you should be doing it in a little different way. A way informed by these commandments. We have hobbies, and we mow the lawn, and we... Raise kids just like the other people around us. But the way we do those things is to be marked by these commands. And it is in this way that the world around us sees the goodness and the glory of God. We should long for these commandments to pervade our lives. So that God's blessings will be honest and so that His glory will be seen. And so with that in mind, we come to the fifth commandment, which is found in Exodus 20, verse 12. And here's what our God says in the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now we're going to use five questions to unpack this commandment today. And here is our first question. What is God setting apart for honor in this commandment? Uh, We've been seeing that each of the Ten Commandments sets something apart for honor. God is telling us something that He values, and He is teaching us to value that as well. The first commandment, God Himself is to be valued supremely above everything else. In the second commandment, God's worship is to be valued. It's through His worship that we learn who He is and know Him. In the third commandment, it is God's name that we are to value. How we speak of God will shape how we know Him. And so it really matters. In the fourth commandment, God's day is set apart as a day of special God orientedness, a day of of God-directed living. So what's being set apart for honor in the fifth commandment? Well, the first and most obvious answer, of course, is our parents. Our father and mother are being set apart for honor. But it has been recognized since these commandments were given that father and mother can refer to more than just your biological parents. The words father and mother were even used by the Jews and peoples up to our own day to refer to people other than just your parents. And so in the Old Testament, we find grandparents and great-grandparents often called by the title father or mother. Uh, Even Jews many generations after Abraham or Isaac refer to them as Father Abraham and Father Isaac. The elders in a city were often called the city fathers. And the fathers would sit at the city gates to deliberate and to decide cases for the city. The king of Israel was sometimes called father. We see David speak this way towards Saul in 1 Samuel 24, 11. In the Old Testament, we find military leaders often called fathers. The fact is, the fifth commandment 
serves as a bridge commandment between the two tables of the law. The first commandments are clearly about our relationship to God. The latter commandments are clearly about how we relate to each other. But this first commandment serves as a bridge, reminding us that we honor God by how we honor those people He's placed in our lives. And this begins first and foremost with those whom He has given authority over us. And that begins with our parents. It doesn't end there, but that's where it begins. And society itself is a kind of family with fathers and mothers and and people are given authority over us by God. And so in Ephesians 6, Paul starts telling children to obey their parents, reflecting on the fifth commandment. He also says a word to fathers about treating their children well. Then he tells slaves to obey their masters. Don't read 19th century American slavery into that. You'll get misguided. Think of it more like employees and employers. We can talk more about that on Wednesday night if you want. But Paul speaks a word to slaves about honoring their masters. He then gives a word to masters about how to treat their slaves. Uh, We also have in the New Testament and even there in Ephesians, the commands for wives to submit to their husbands For Christians to submit to their local church leaders. For every Christian to pray for and to submit to those in political authority over them. In the fifth commandment, God is setting apart authority as something to be valued and respected. He's setting apart authority as something to be valued and respected. This starts at home because our biological parents or the parents in the home are the first people that God gives us as authorities over our lives. But we are to learn from that relationship how to honor the other authorities in our lives and ultimately how to honor the ultimate authority, which is God himself. The home truly is the building block of society. As goes the home, so goes the nation. As goes the home, so goes marriages and churches and other basic institutions in the generation to come. When we subvert the family, when we tamper with God's design for the family, we should not be surprised when other institutions that hold a society together begin to crumble. And so listen carefully to this. When the Heidelberg Catechism asks children what the fifth commandment means, this is the answer they were to learn to recite back. What is the meaning of the fifth commandment? That I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all who are set in authority over me that I submit myself with respectful obedience to all their careful instruction and discipline, and that I also bear patiently with their failures, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. And that's a good summary of the meaning of the fifth commandment for our lives. Now, when Israel received this commandment, They had been set free from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And yet some people hear this call to honor father and mother as a new kind of bondage. 
What? You mean I have to listen to my parents? I have to obey my parents? I have to do whatever my parents say? Isn't that just another form of slavery? Not at all. This is the way of freedom. If the Israelite children would listen to their parents and obey their parents and learn from their parents the ways of God, they would remain a free people. The other nations are walking as slaves to darkness. But if these children would learn from their parents, they would remain truly free. They as a nation would walk in the freedom of knowing the true God. Moreover, God promised blessings on this nation. If they would walk with him, if they would walk in the freedom of knowing him, they would never be enslaved by another nation again. But if the children would not learn and would not listen to their parents and instead walked in their own way, very soon the nation of Israel would fall right back into the pattern of the other nations. They would fall back into slavery, to darkness again. God's blessing would be removed. They would even be enslaved again by foreign powers. God is saying to Israel, if you want to remain a free nation, walking in the light of the knowledge that I've given to you, walking in the light of a relationship with me, children, you need to honor your parents. And this is the same for Christian families today. If our children are to have spiritual freedom, if our children are to have the freedom that lasts to eternity, then they must be willing to learn from, to hear and obey their Christian parents. Otherwise, they will find themselves walking in the same bondage that the rest of the world is in. Notice the promise connected to this commandment. Do you see it? Look at the verse again. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That is not telling each individual person that if they honor their father and mother, then that individual is guaranteed a long life. It's not what that means. Uh, There have been many godly children who did honor their parents. And they died young. Rather, this promise is telling Israel that they as a nation must follow this principle of honoring mother and father so that their days as a nation in the promised land will be long. Trouble starts in the families. If a generation rises that will not listen to their parents, if a generation rises that will not receive their instruction about God and His ways, that generation will be a rebellious generation. They would lead Israel to violate the covenant that was being made here at this mountain. And Mount Hermon, this is exactly what we see in Israel's history. Generations will arise that will not listen to their parents. Generations of Israelites will come along that do not want to hear from their parents, who do not want to to obey their parents. They become unfaithful, and the result is that Israel wanders away from God into darkness, and a time of discipline, a time of chastening comes upon them. Eventually, Israel is removed out of the promised land by Babylon because of this very thing. Ultimately, the covenant that God is making with Israel at this mountain will end in the first century A.D. because of this. Do you see the application for us? Mount Hermon, it only takes one generation for the gospel to be lost. 
one. It only takes one generation for the church of Christ in our land to become weak and unhealthy and ineffective. We must train up our children well and pray for God's blessing. Children, listen carefully to your Christian parents. Heed them as they tell you about God's truth. Heed them as they tell you His principles. Thank God for Christian parents. Millions of children around you don't have that gift. Don't take Christian parents for granted, but learn from them. Be patient with their failures and learn from them how they point you to Christ. To truly obey the fifth commandment, we must honor our father and our mother, both inwardly and outwardly. If we honor our parents inwardly, but not outwardly, then our honoring of them does very little practical good. And if we honor our parents outwardly, but not inwardly, then we're being deceitful and hypocritical. So true Pure, rightful honoring of parents is both inward and outward. Now, I'm going to continue to speak mainly about parents. But I want you to understand that what I'm about to say applies in various ways to the other authorities in your life. So keep that in mind as well. I want to give some practical examples. What does honoring our father and mother look like? How do we honor our father and mother? So let me give you seven examples of what this is like. Number one, we honor our parents by being thankful for them. By being thankful for them. When we receive our parents as a gift to us from God, we honor them. Even if our parents are not ideal parents, and none are. We should thank God for them. Even if our parents are unbelievers or do not parent well, there is still good that we can gain from them and reason for us to thank God for them. Whether your parents are living or no longer living, you can honor them by thanking God for the good that came to you through them. And so I ask you, Can you praise God for your parents this morning? Can you thank God for them? Number two, we honor our parents by paying attention to their instruction. By paying attention to their instruction. So Proverbs 1.8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Kids, very practically, When your parents are speaking with you, don't walk away. Uh, Don't listen with half an ear while being distracted at the same time. When your parents speak to you, hear them. Pay attention to them. And all the more when they're giving you instruction or counsel. Honor your parents by giving them your full attention when when they speak. And parents, we have to train our children to do this. Uh, screens are against us here. They ruin our children's ability to focus. They hinder their ability to pay attention when things aren't moving or flashing or being entertaining. So our children need books. 
They need to learn the art of conversation. They need to practice both at home and at church how to stop and focus on someone and to hear what they are saying. You have younger children, having them repeat back to you what you have said to them can be very helpful. For those of us who are older, uh, we may no longer be obligated to our, obey our parents in the same way as when we lived under their authority in the home. But we still ought to pay careful attention to anything that our parents would want to say to us. Even our aged parents, if they desire to speak something to us, we honor them by giving careful attention to whatever is in their heart that they want to share. Third, we honor our parents by obeying our parents. By obeying our parents. Ephesians 6.1 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The truth is, we learn how to obey God by first learning how to obey our parents. Obeying mother and father in the home is practice for obeying God when mother and father are no longer there around you. Uh, Sometimes we like what our parents tell us to do. And sometimes we don't like what our parents tell us to do. But in either case, our default position should be one of submission or obedience. Uh, Sometimes your flesh is is not going to like what God tells you to do as a Christian. But hopefully you've learned through practice how to submit and how to obey God. Remember the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 21? A father tells his son to go work in the vineyard, and the son says, no. But then the son changes his mind, and he does what the father asks, and he goes and he works in the vineyard. Then the father went to the second son and said, you go work in the vineyard. And that son said, sure, dad. But he never went, and he never worked. Which son actually honored his father? It was the one who obeyed. It was the one who did what the father asked. As Christians, we know the danger of faith without works. We know the danger of of professing with our lips, but not actually living in obedience to God. That person's not a real Christian. That person who says good things with his lips but doesn't actually follow Jesus practically in real life, that person needs to repent. This is another lesson that is first learned in the home. Children might say that they will obey, but the question is whether or not they actually do. That's what shows honor. Kids, do you want to show your parents that you honor them and esteem them highly? Then obey them. Carry out their instructions with excellence and and with joy. All right, wait a minute, Justin. What if my parents tell me to do something that God says is wrong? Do I still obey them then? Well, let me paraphrase Calvin. Your parents have been given their office by the Lord. They serve under him. Uh, You are always ultimately to honor the Lord Jesus. And you honor the Lord Jesus 
by honoring and obeying your parents. You, you obey your parents for Jesus' sake because he is pleased by it, because he calls you to it. But any time your parents or any other authority would command you to do something that is against the express will of Jesus Christ, you are not serving him by doing what they say. Uh, they're no longer serving under his bidding as they ought. They've gone rogue, so to speak. And you are not to obey any authority when they've gone rogue and are not leading you to follow Jesus. But unless your parents give you a, an explicit command that violates a command of Christ in the Bible, other than that situation, you ought to hear them and you ought to obey them. For in doing so, you honor them and Christ. Well, fourth, number four. We honor our parents by receiving discipline well. By receiving discipline well. So children, teens, part of the responsibility that God has given your parents is for them to train you in the ways that are right. And that means discipline. Every parent that loves their child will discipline that child. Proverbs 13.24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Children, if your parents are diligent in discipline, it is because they love you. And you honor your father and mother when you receive discipline well. When your parents confront you about something, do you own up to your sin or do you make excuses for it? When they explain why what you've done is wrong, do you listen carefully to what they say? Do you, do you consider it in your mind or do you try and deflect their comments away? When your parents issue you a punishment, do you humbly receive it? Or do you fight against it? And mainly, do you learn from your parents' discipline? Do you learn the lesson? Because that's part of honoring them. Proverbs 12.1 puts this very bluntly. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words. God says if you fight against discipline, children, if you fight against the discipline of your parents, if you refuse to submit to it, if you refuse to learn from it, but are instead stubborn, Proverbs says you're being stupid. And you'll continue to be that way until you learn to receive discipline well. And of course, parents, all discipline is to be motivated by love. Discipline is never, ever, ever, ever to be carried out in an anger. Discipline is to be carefully measured to truly serve the child and not to harm the child in any way. Are we clear on that? Is that clear? Never to be abusive in discipline. Only to love our children through discipline. Number five. We honor our parents by seeking their counsel. By seeking their counsel. How do we show our parents that we respect them? One way is by actively seeking their input when we have important decisions to make. 
when we are little children and we have questions we're confused about, we should go to our parents. When we're teenagers and we find ourselves in tough situations and we're not sure how to handle them, we should actively go to our parents and say, you know, mom, dad, help me out here. How should I think about this? Your parents love you. That's what they're there for. You probably have no idea how much it would rejoice their heart for you to come to them with those kinds of issues and questions in your life. Even when we're older, perhaps even we have kids of our own, it can mean the world to our older parents for us to still call them up and to seek their counsel and to seek their input. To say, Mom, Dad, I, you know, now I understand what you were dealing with when you were parenting me. <laughs> can you give me some advice here? Can you give me some counsel? Can you give me some, some help? It, it shows that you honor your parents when you actively seek their counsel. Number six, we honor our parents by speaking honorably of them before others. By speaking honorably of them before others. So how do you talk about your parents before other people? If people only know of your parents... From what they've heard from your lips, would your parents have a favorable or unfavorable reputation in their mind? Part of love and part of honor is seeking to speak the best about people while keeping the worst about people to yourself. Uh, If you find that you're in a situation where it is necessary to speak a negative word about your parents to others, do you do so hesitantly? Do you do so letting the people know that you are grateful for your parents? Personally, I I hope, I trust that from this pulpit, I rarely but occasionally will use my family and my parents as examples. And I hope you've heard again and again how grateful I am for the parents that God gave me. And their influence, both in the past and in the present, to influence me towards godliness. It it is my joy to say publicly that my parents are a rare gift. Their love for Jesus, their love for each other, the way they've modeled friendship and marriage for me and Crystal has been wonderful. The benefits that God has given you through your parents may be different than those, but you seek to find good gifts that God has given you through the parents that he gave you, and when you speak of your parents to others, let it be with a sense of appreciation. Let it be with a sense of gratitude. Let it be with a sense of of thankfulness to God in your voice. Let's honor our parents in the way we speak of them before others. And then number seven, we honor our parents by showing kindness and care to them. By showing kindness and care to them. So I remember being a teenage boy in Panama City, Florida. And we were riding in the car. Me and my sister were riding in the back. Dad and mom in the front. And my mom was sharing with us something big that had happened that day. It was an accomplishment for my dad. It was something my dad had worked really hard for and it had come together and he was excited about it. And and instead of rejoicing with him, I, in a very sarcastic, disrespectful, teenage way, said, who cares? Do you know I still regret that to this day? I think about it sometimes and I remember it because it was hurtful. 
was a hurtful thing. And he, he was, and he, what he had done, he was very excited about it. It was just very disrespectful. We need to be careful with our words and our actions. Whatever our parents' age, whatever our age, we are to treat them with kindness. We're to show love to them. We're, we should seek to unite our hearts to theirs. We should have a genuine interest and concern with whatever is interest and concerning to our parents. Uh, whatever is happening in their lives should matter to us. Our parents' concerns should be our concerns, especially as we're adults, especially as we're, we're aging. Uh, just like in a church family, we're to weep when others weep and we're to rejoice when others rejoice, so it should be for us and our parents. Certainly as our parents age, we show honor to them by caring for them. Um, they served us when we were young. We must serve them when they are old or when they are sick. It should be our joy to return to them in some measure the kind of care they showed to us when we were young. Uh, they were a picture for us as children of God in the way that they cared for us. Now we get to be a picture of God's love to them as we care for them. And so even though it can be hard, even though it can be difficult, we should embrace that opportunity to love our parents by caring for them in their old age or in their sickliness. Okay, at a lightning pace, we're going to ask the question, how have we broken the fifth commandment? And let this commandment over the next three minutes be a mirror for you in which you see your own sin and then let's look afresh to Jesus Christ as the one who fully obeyed this commandment and saves us from our sin. So, so how have we broken the fifth commandment? All you have to do is take the seven points I just gave you and turn them upside down. So number one, we've broken this commandment by being ungrateful for our parents. Anytime we take our parents for granted, we've broken this commandment. Number two, we have broken this commandment by not listening to our parents. How often have our parents spoken to us and we just didn't listen or we half listened or we did not heed their words? How much trouble have we gotten into needlessly because we simply did not listen to our parents? Number three, we have broken this commandment by disobeying our parents. Every time we disobey our parents and something they've told us to do, we're not just disobeying them. We're disobeying the God who set them over us. And we're hardening our hearts and making it easier to disobey them again in the future and even easier to disobey God in the future. Disobeying our parents is a, is a grievous sin against Him. And I think one day we will be shocked to see the devastating effects of it. Number four, we have broken this commandment by being stubborn. When we refuse to learn from our parents' corrections, when we refuse to learn from their reproofs or their discipline, but are stubborn, we are rebelling against God's good gift to us. We're, we're cursing the rod that God intends for our good. Number five, we've broken this commandment by disregarding our parents. When we live our lives with little attention to our parents' thoughts, little attention to our parents' opinions, with little attention to their advice, we are disregarding those whom God has given to us for our good. Number six, 
We have broken this commandment by speaking or acting in a way that dishonors our parents before others. Uh, Dear friend, like it or not, I say this at every funeral, at the end of the funeral, like it or not, parents are often judged by the character of their children. You may think your words and actions only reflect on yourself, but they don't. Your words and your actions say something about the parents who raised you. Anytime you dishonor them by speaking ill about them or simply by speaking or acting in a sinful way before others, you violate this commandment. And seventh, finally, we have broken this commandment by neglecting our parents. In one survey some years ago, nearly one half of Americans said they did not believe it was the responsibility of children to care for their parents as they age. One half of Americans said it was not their responsibility to care for their parents as they age. Mount Hermon, we know better than that. Let us never neglect our parents, but give them love and attention and affection and care. If we neglect them, we have broken this commandment. So how serious is all of this? So serious that only one violation of this commandment at any point in your life is enough for God to justly deliver us into hell. Um, We need to wake up to that. I think we might treat these, these sins as if they're somehow smaller sins. These are not small sins. To dishonor your parents or to dishonor any authority in your life is an offense against the God of infinite glory. It is to deserve hell. It's that serious. And as we look at those seven ways of breaking the commandment, don't we feel our sin? Don't we see how we have broken this commandment? Our only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came and lived perfectly the life we have failed to live. He honored his earthly parents faithfully he joyfully fulfilled the will of his heavenly father throughout his entire life even when obeying his father meant going to the cross jesus submitted and obeyed on the cross jesus bore the hell his people deserved for every violation of this commandment he took their place so that god's justice would be satisfied and so that we could be made right with god Dear friend, if you are still in your sins, then you have made God your enemy by your rebellion. And on the last day, He will crush you. But if you will receive the free offer of peace through Jesus Christ, you can have God as your Father. And all your sins can be washed away. Salvation came at an awful cost, the life of the Lord Jesus. But for us, it is free. And we will only follow Jesus, trust Him, learn from Him. He will be our Savior. We can be reconciled to God. And then He gives us the Holy Spirit who begins to develop in us a new heart, a new attitude, a new desire to keep this commandment and all the other commandments. So dear Christians, aren't we thankful for Jesus? <laughs> to rest in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. And dear unbeliever in this room, won't you run to Him for salvation?
Let's pray.